0: Middle of the country, but not middle-of-the-road opinions. It's the podcast dedicated to sports in the air capital of the world. I'm going to Wichita. Wichita, Kansas, and beyond. With Tommy Castor, Weston Mills, and Blake Cripps. This is Keeper of the Games.
1: Some may say that we are wildly unqualified. Some may say we are only mildly entertaining. However, it is unfortunate, but today I must report that we are not exactly where we are supposed to be, talking about March Madness, talking about state tournament basketball, conference tournaments, prepping you for selection Sunday and the Big Dance. No, no, no. Why talk about that? When we are forced to discuss the Exxon Valdez situation up in Northeast Kansas, Lawrence, Kansas, to be exact, a self-inflicted suicidal Titanic situation where not only... Did they hit the first iceberg? They decided to go ahead and go for seconds and sideswipe the second one. And with that, we welcome you into a very interesting episode 57 of the Keeper of the Games podcast. We're still waiting on our seven-figure buyout, by the way, for running the only podcast focused on Wichita sports Uh, in the world, as far as I know. I'm Blake Cripps, joined by Tommy Castor, who I am told has stepped down as the president of the Les Miles fan club. Tommy, a, a tough week for you, I am sure.
2: Yeah, we're going to get into it in just a few minutes. But uh, yeah, it's been a roller coaster of emotions. Um, I am just glad that with this dumpster fire of a situation, you have the honor of presiding over the proceedings tonight. Uh, I'm glad that I will gladly pass the baton to you for this new episode.
1: Uh, You know, it's, it's a responsibility that I do not take lightly. We're also joined by Weston Mills, who I am told is going through a very difficult breakup with his mistress, the 2021 Les Miles KU football recruiting class. Weston, my condolences.
0: Uh, we're gonna talk about who I want to replace Jeff Long, and I'm already thinking about those recruits. Let me tell you, I've got a few names, a few pe- few people that I think are gonna really help keep this fantastic recruiting class, this class that I'm excited about, in Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah,
1: good luck, good luck with that. Uh, with that, uh, <laughs> welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, you know, I had plans that this was going to be you're like, ah, oh, you know what? We got some stuff to get to. We're going to be done in an hour this week. I'm going to have these guys zing, bang, boom. We're going to get through this. This might be a three-hour show. I don't know. So you better go ahead and get your cold beverage right now. Cancel your plans. Uh, there is a lot to get to. You can find us, cogsports.com, at cogpod on Twitter, cogpod at podomatic.com. Always the best place to get our podcasts, but we're also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, a host of other podcasting platforms. If you listen to podcasts somewhere, there's a pretty darn good chance that we're already on there. So make sure you like and subscribe. You can also watch the show if you like looking into Weston's dreamy eyes, looking into the camera. You can also do that at facebook.com. Just search and slash Keeper of the Games or search for Keeper of the Games on YouTube and like and subscribe you'll get all the updates tell a friend too by the way coming up on the show we are talking state basketball we're talking conference basketball our wichita whip around but of course today we start with the university of kansas and we'll start in chronological order We thought that this was going to be something that we would bring up on the show anyway. And my plan was we were going to start basketball. Like, you know what? Just because they can't figure their S out up there in Lawrence, we're not going to let it bring us down. We're going to go ahead and go through basketball. What a big week for Wichita State. Kansas State, a first round win in the Big 12 tournament today. Wichita State women ended up their season. The huge awards for Wichita State. Kansas has big news as well. High school state basketball tournament's underway. The semifinal set. And then we got another bombshell. So to be fair, I feel like we have to start with the University of Kansas. Les Miles, football coach, let go following allegations that came to light. We brought you this last week, not that we reported it, but we certainly made mention of it during his time as the head coach at Louisiana State University that he was accused by at least two student female workers serving as hostesses for the college football program at LSU that he sent or texted unsolicited messages to them via text or Facebook may have touched one or both of them inappropriately, and may have kissed one of them and invited her to a hotel room. The independent report said it could not independently verify the account of the student in the vehicle where the kissing is alleged to have taken place. However, it did confirm that Les Miles ignored a written directive from the LSU athletic department ordering him to not have any one-on-one contact with any female student workers at LSU and to use his LSU Uh, LSU issued cell phone for all communication with student workers. Kansas obviously was in shambles. And then yesterday, March 10th, 2021, not only does KU not have a head football coach, KU does not have an athletic director. The Jeffrey Long is out less than 24 hours from his press conference explaining how he was going to replace and replace the head football coach and set KU football on the path to respectability, a path that looks so much more unknowable than it ever has in Kansas football history." Separate letters published by KU Chancellor Douglas Gerard and Long both have described the departure as a AD stepping down, much like the less Miles situation was characterized as a mutual parting of the ways. So technically, no firings here. Tommy, you can get your accurate take, horn ready. In my opinion, looking back on the history of University of Kansas athletics in my time in my life— over 30 years as being a KU fan now, and also in the entire history, I cannot think of a darker day, a worse day for Kansas athletics than March 10th, 2021. No athletic director, no football coach, spring football is on the way, and this is a listless ship that is sinking to the bottom of respectability in so many ways, has betrayed the trust of so many people It absolutely astounds me that my alma mater and a place that I know that you two care very deeply about is in one of the most one of the biggest states of despair that it has ever been in.
2: Listen, I used to say regarding Kansas football You know, Kansas fans don't ask for a lot. They just look for (laughs) a few wins a year. That's really all Kansas football fans are looking for year in and year out. We're not asking for winning records. We're not asking for Big 12 championships. We're not asking for bowl games. We might eventually want that. But right now, Kansas football fans just won a few wins a year. That's really all Kansas football fans typically tend to yearn for. That's what I used to say (laughs) over the last, what are you saying today? Over the last several weeks, I've said, you know, Kansas football fans aren't asking for a lot. They just want a head coach. That's not a a raging pervert and an athletic director. That's a liar, con man and fraud. I'm not asking for much, just asking (laughs) for that. It's like wipe the winds off the table at this point. It's, it's the, we're back down to the foundation again. We're back down to below the foundation. Um, it, it, it we're at square one in a worse position than Kansas football was when David Beatty was hired, when Charlie Weiss was hired, when Turner Gill was hired. Now, I know that there will be some you know, some, some people that would argue that based on the way the roster is built right now, and we can get into that later, but as far as the overall respectability of the program, whether it's at a local, regional, or national level, the Jayhawk football program is at an all-time low, an all-time low. There's no doubt in my mind that Chancellor Doug Girard made the absolute correct choice in not only separating from Les Miles, but also separating from Jeff Long. I've been advocating for that for a long time. If you follow me on Twitter at Tweets from Tommy, by the way, you will know I've been a huge advocate. As soon as these allegations broke against Les Miles, to not only take swift and decisive action against Miles but also take a deep and, and, and hard look into the administration surrounding Jeff Long. And there's a lot more I want to get to about Jeff Long, about his tenure at the University of Kansas from day one to now. We can get into that a little bit later. But there's no doubt in my mind, Doug Girard made the only choice that he could make. That being said, although I advocated for it, I don't delight in the decision. I'm not sitting over here happy about it. I'm not celebrating. I'm not rejoicing. I'm not dancing in the streets. And if you're a true Kansas fan, you shouldn't be doing that either. Even if you thought it was the right move, or even if you had lost all respect for Jeff Long and or Les Miles, and you were pleased with the decision, you don't delight in it because there is so much work to be done right now, some of which I know we're going to talk about later on in the program. So at the the end of the day, yes, this was a, uh, it was the decision that, that, that must have been made. Um, it had to have been made the way that it was made. Um, it's a sad day to be a Jayhawk fan. The other thing I'll say before I I throw it to West and get his thoughts on this is that although I have profound disappointment and sadness about what's going on right now in Lawrence, I do have to say, I am slightly more hopeful at this juncture right now than I was 24 hours ago before Jeff Long was let go. When he, gave, when he gave that press conference, I don't know how anybody <laughs> in the world could have watched that press conference and said, yep, that's the guy that I want to lead the next search for, the next head football coach at the University of Kansas. Um, the fact that he will not be leading that search gives me a smidgen more hope than I had 24 hours ago that hopefully, who knows, something good will come of this.
0: I obviously have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, but but I'm going to start here. I think that this process and the way it played out was 100% more about the actions of Jeff Long than they were about the actions of Les Miles and and let me tell you why. If you let, let's say for instance well let me let me preface it with this. We're talking about a report from 2013 when When Les Miles was at LSU Right so we're not talking about Anything that he did at Kansas we're not talking About any discussions of Any wrongdoing that he's had over the Last you know two two years Or three basically three years in Lawrence You know or anything in between his time At LSU we're not talking about any of that we're talking about a report From 2013 now if This was if As we're sitting here today do You think if a report came out From Bill Self's time at Illinois that he allegedly did some stuff that was deemed inappropriate. He, You know, there's question about whether he was or wasn't terminated or not, but it wasn't deemed sexual harassment, but, but he was, but it was deemed inappropriate. Do you think anything would happen to Bill Self at the university of Kansas? I'm going to tell you right now, the answer is no. And I think that's why this whole process was more about an opportunity to get Jeff long out of Lawrence than it was necessarily about less miles. Now, Comparing Les Miles to Bill Self, it it isn't the same, right? Because Les Miles, he doesn't have the stature in in Lawrence that Bill Self does. And and you're kidding yourself if you don't think that these type of things and how far someone's established with a university at a job, any of it. I mean, and I guess I'm talking about kind of – I'm going to use this phrase loosely, but cancel culture. If you don't think that that matters – when things like this come up, it, it absolutely does how well someone is established, what value someone brings to a company. Les Miles wasn't bringing that to the University of Kansas or the, certainly not the University of Kansas Athletics. So he was expendable. I think, but I think the bigger thing here was, and as we've seen the reports come out, there have been very large donors who were not happy with Jeff Long even before this. I mean, particularly if you look back to the David Beatty and the way that was handled, I, and I don't even think it's that that David Beatty was let go. I think it's the way they went about it, the conversations then that Jeff Long had after that, you know, ab- about the process. He just you, he couldn't put a. Uh, a great PR statement together. I mean, you didn't even need much. And he still botched those statements about David Beatty afterwards, the depositions that came out about the idiotic things he, he said, and how, I don't know whether he wasn't prepped, whatever, if it's just the man himself, and that's probably what it is, right? Ego Couldn't probably. Together, it, that's, I mean, all of that, right? I mean, it has to be. So we have this long and it's not long. And that's probably part of the problem, right? Is it only took however two, two and a half, three, four years for him to really start to burn bridge with donors. I think this was an opportunity. I, I think I think Les Miles would have been fired anyways, but I think the folks saw, look, we obviously can't fire Jeff Long and not Les Miles. I mean, you got it's gotta be one and two. And I think that was the plan before Les Miles. As soon as this report came out, there were discussions about we're upset that Jeff Long missed this because that's what this comes down to, right? Apparently it was either missed or ignored. I mean, obviously I'm not saying that that wasn't the case, but certainly Jeff Long's position is, well, we didn't, we didn't know about this. Well, you're the athletic director. They're paying you a whole lot of money to know about it. So I think it was just, I think from the get go, it was, this is our opportunity to get rid of him. We're going to go ahead and get rid of, of Les miles first. And now we can go ahead and move on to Jeff Long. And I think that's more what this was about than it even was about Les Miles.
2: I'll even take it a step further and say, you know, a lot of people were wondering, well, if this had been in the works, if if the chancellor was looking at letting Jeff Long go, at, you know, with Les Miles kind of as a package deal, you know, they're tied together, then why would, why would Jeff Long go out at a press conference on Tuesday? I think that was absolutely planned by Kansas Athletics. I think that partly it was, Jeff Long going out to basically hang himself and Jeff Long has been a PR nightmare since day one I mean yeah we talked all about the David Beatty situation and and how Jeff Long absolutely bungled that but even something as simple as the Snoop Dogg situation at late night at the fog and the way any you know Jeff Long bungled that PR situation too anytime there was any opportunity for Jeff Long to be in front of cameras in front of reporters he screwed it up and so I think this was the final opportunity for Kansas Athletic to basically say, hey, Jeff Long, here are all these grenades. Go ahead and pull the plug and toss them. And all he did was pull the plug and let it explode on himself. And I think that was the outcome that Kansas Athletics was looking for. There
1: are now five coaches in a row, five, that KU is paying for after they leave the school. And the record is 26-115 and since Mark Mangino had a winning football season. 26 and one fifteen, Weston. I'm not sure I totally buy, and I I don't even think that this is this necessarily gets less miles off the hook because of all the other issues that you mentioned. But you know, I I was watching. Uh, I think it was around the horn, and they were talking about this. And Bomani Jones kind of made he made the point. I don't want to take the words out of his mouth, so uh, credit to him. But you know, there are a lot of people saying, and some of his comrades on that show had said you know, oh, how could they not know and all this? USA Today just figured it out, and it's about a decade later. And they're actually in the business of knowing this stuff. It's their job to do this. So if they didn't know and it didn't get out, I'm not sure how KU could have known. Does that mean that Jeff Long should still be at the athletic director? Not necessarily. When I was thinking about this, because it had been rumored for a few days as to whether or not Jeff Long would be permitted – to complete this next search for a football coach at Kansas, my initial thought was, hey, you know what? If he stays, whatever. And if he leaves, whatever. And that's about the worst endorsement that your athletic director can have is when you don't even care whether or not he is going to stay or go. Because I thought that KU was foobard anyway in football after this. I mean, we're talking about this recruiting class there is no chance that KU is winning any meaningful football games this year, maybe not the year after that. So, you know, I don't know who wants to jump in after this, but how much blame does Jeff Long, if you want to say that he should have known or could have known, I'll leave that up to each one of you individually. I don't necessarily think that he should have or could have known, but he is responsible for the decision. And he is responsible for how he rate KU football through the mud to potentially save $50,000. Oh, wait, we actually tallied it up in legal fees and, uh, oh, we actually cost ourselves 5,000 extra dollars so that we can totally disparage David Beatty, a guy that, yeah, crappy football coach, but by most accounts, really nice guy, represented Kansas the right way. Not to say it was perfect, but represented KU the right way and, To cost us $5,000 extra dollars instead of just paying him, we did that. So, yeah, because of the PR nightmare that Tommy, you have talked about, and Weston, you have talked about, you know, I'm not saying that Jeff Long should still be around. How much blame does Jeff Long get for where Kansas football is right now? And how much blame does Les Miles get for Kansas football and its current predicament right now?
0: Well, and I think I think you're actually even looking at this too much in a black black and white scenario, because I think the opportunity was more about the fact that they knew the media doesn't matter what, you know, they're going to make their decisions immediately. That public makes the decision, oh, he should have known or there's no way he didn't know it doesn't matter. The media was always going to put it in this light of, and that's just, and I only say it in a sense of that's an opportunity to let him go without, uh, you know, the university itself looking bad. Well, Oh, well that, you know, our athletic director missed on this thing. So that's why we're firing him, blah, blah, blah. Also, of course, then whatever contract Jeff long has, you know, talk about, you know, parting ways, this mutual agreement, just like, uh, Les Miles did I, I just think it was the opportunity I don't necessarily disagree with you that you know there's a good chance I mean I'm sure sh- because here's probably realistically how this whole hiring process played out right Les Miles was his good buddy it was probably a matter of as we all think hey Les I'm, I'm, a, I'm going to Kansas you going to follow me when I go there yeah great that, that's it. That's the, but we know, process, but right? we, so. and, and
2: that's the, you're right. But we also know what that process was like because it was filmed for a reality show on yeah. ESPN plus like sure. the, this whole thing. What, what people tend to forget is that this whole Jeff long, less miles situation was all manufactured. From day one, it was all manufactured for television, for drama. The football program at the University of Kansas, historically one of, if not the worst programs in the entire country, was sold down the river by Jeff Long, the University of Kansas, and ESPN for ratings. That's it. I mean, that's it. And and so that was that's day one. That's how Jeff Long began his tenure at the University of Kansas. So, Blake, to answer your question about how how much fault is it of Jeff Long that Kansas is in the position it's in now? Of course, Jeff Long didn't hire Charlie Weiss. He didn't hire Turner Gill. He didn't hire sure. David Beatty. And he didn't Fire hire Mark Mangino. Mangino. He, Absolutely didn't, right. he, didn't, he didn't do those things. But at the same time, He completely sold out the University of Kansas from day one for a reality show. And then he was kind of in a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation with this Les Miles debacle. Because on the one hand, and and what I think is so ludicrous is people who are debating this, well, did the University of Kansas know? Did they not know? It doesn't matter one way or another because on the one hand, he didn't know. And that would mean that either one, he didn't vet well enough or number two, his friend lied to him. And then at that point, how good of a friend is he? So either either one of those situations is not good for Jeff Long or he did know and hired him anyway. And that's not good for Jeff Long. So there was not a positive outcome one way or another with this less Miles situation without it reflecting poorly on Jeff Long's leadership. There was not a positive way out of it. And, and, and Blake, you mentioned David Beatty. Um, and I, I want to mention and again, David Beatty was was not clearly was not the savior for KU football. <laughs> however, however. Had he been able to retain his position, and I'm not advocating that he should have, but had he been able to retain his position, he would have been entering year five of his rebuild. Let's not forget that David Beatty's first season in Lawrence, he went 0-12. His final season in Lawrence, he went 3-9. and So there was some progress. There was some uh, improvement as far as rebuilding the roster a little bit under David Beatty, trying to repair the dismantling that Charlie Weiss did under his tenure at the University of Kansas. So again, I'm not saying that had this whole thing not happened and David Beatty was still the coach, that Kansas would be have a winning record or go to a bowl game or anything like that. It just would be interesting to know you'd never be able to know this, but how the program would be faring under a fifth year of David Beatty right now, as opposed to the shit show that we're dealing with right, right now with less miles and Jeff long. And yeah, that's exactly what it is. And the, the sad thing is,
1: like I said, you know, at KU football, resources are a big deal. This is not Alabama. This is not a program that just brings in truckloads of money or, as has been accused by many a people, including some former co-workers of mine, this ain't Texas where they have more money than God. Kansas football can't be wasting money. And I I don't even want to think about the tens of millions of dollars that KU has basically poured down the toilet, maybe even down the porta potty right now for 26 and 115. Five coaches are getting paid now, settlements. Uh, Jeff Long is getting a settlement as well. He's going to get like $1.4 million in small payments, supposed to get a million and a half, negotiated it down. Les Miles is also getting paid after the fact again. So once again, we're in the same spot that we have been in with Mark Mangino and Turner Gill and David Beatty and Charlie Weiss. And now we're in it with Jeff Long, where we are going to be paying a football coach to not come to work who didn't win any football games. Guys, this is not a Douglas Girard problem. This is not even a Kansas athletics problem. I think I've said this before. This is a University of Kansas problem. Going back to the diploma on my wall and Robert Hemingway, who was the athletic director when I was at school, going back to Bob Frederick, who was much beloved, Going back to him, Shane Zenger, Bernadette Gray-Little, all the chancellors that have been around KU since the 1980s, they have allowed a culture to fester that Kansas football doesn't need to be relevant. And it has been treated that way with the lone exception of between 2003 and 2008 when Mark Mangino came in and had some fire in his belly and decided, hey, I mean, it had a big belly, ought to have some fire in it, and decided to say, you know what? (laughs) We're going to give this the best try that we can. And he built something literally out of nothing. And if not for Bill Snyder at Kansas State, which was, you know, about 10 times more impressive and about 20 times more prolific, might have been considered one of the great rebuilding coaching jobs in the history of Kansas. And certainly it is at the history of uh, the University of Kansas. But all these resources have been squandered now. We are back. You talk about at the foundation, Tommy. I'm not sure there's a foundation left at this point. I'm not sure if we even have level soil to which on which to build a foundation. We ain't got a coach. We don't have a program. We don't we don't have an athletic director. It's March 11th as people are watching or listening to this. Spring football is a month away. How in the world is Kansas going to get this turned around in time to make any relevant impact in the near future, in the next one year, two years, five years? You realize how long they've been talking about the Memorial Stadium upgrades on, what is it, the east side I think they want to upgrade? It doesn't matter what side they want to upgrade. Who's going to pay into that? Who's going to want to give money to this that basically just puts it in a dumpster and lights it on fire? Because that's what Kansas football does with its money. This is not a situation where you get something back on your investment. This is where you throw your dollars away and you get nothing in return because that's what Kansas football fans have been treated to since Mark Mangino was fired in 2009 with only very, very brief glimpses of hope into a brighter future.
0: You asked about the foundation, though. So let me just say, so the foundation is in of itself the University of Kansas, right? And it's not about the football program, but it's about the university. And if it wasn't for really the success in basketball, and of course, you know, we always dismiss, obviously, the academics and all that, of course, you know, but this is a sports podcast, so we're focused on that. If it wasn't for the basketball program, though, in this, I mean, insane, rich, potentially untouched tradition of the basketball program, that in and of itself is going to bring us, you know, a very high quality athletic director. So it starts there, right? Or in theory, it should. I mean, it, it should I mean, have the last
1: time and look how that looked at, worked out.
0: No, Absolutely understand. It. And certainly it was a miss. I'm not trying to argue that. But the University of Kansas, that athletic director is going to have significant hiring power there, you know? So a name that is being thrown around, and I'll be frank, I, maybe it's just me. Maybe I just fail to understand the, what level of difficulty the athletic director has. Just not doing the stupid, stupid things that Jeff Long did <laughs> seems to be good enough for me. A name that keeps being thrown around that I would love is Danny Manning. I think, I think, and again, I have no basis to give you qualifications, whether he would do a good job or not. I think the university of Kansas needs a great PR hire right here. And the thing about Danny Manning, we can at least say this. He has a fantastic track record of being a good human. So that's a good start, right? I mean, you know, that's a start. And then two, so let's move to the football program and what, what they can do to, you know, in my opinion, build off some of the the gains that they made under less miles, which I know there are some on this podcast who would argue there have been no gains made under less miles. But there's
1: no guarantee that any of those gains are going to be actually sticking around.
0: That's okay, and that's what I want to get to. So I think Kansas. I've got two ideas at a coach that I think make most sense. One is taking a playbook from uh, a team that is just south of them in Wichita, Kansas, and do exactly what the Shockers did with Isaac Brown. I think Emmett Jones, who's the passing game quarter coordinator, absolutely should be named the interim head coach. and frankly, I think they should give him the season. I think they should because if you don't even have an athletic director right now, the last thing you want to do, and I don't care that they have a, some hiring organization or whatever they call themselves to help with this process. No search committee, the athletic director needs to search committee, whatever. I just don't care about that. The athletic director needs to be absolutely involved in it and it doesn't need to be rushed. I think you take your time, find the athletic director you want in the, in the immediate, you, you put in Emmett Jones As the interim head coach, he has a great rapport. He's the one that has brought in majority landed a bunch of these recruits. He's um, he's from Texas. So that's that pipeline that they continue to recruit out of, you know, he spent three years at Texas tech before Kansas, but it's, it's the important part before that he spent two years at South Oak cliff high school in Texas, uh, about five years at Dallas skyline high school and about two years at Dallas Lincoln high school. Those, that is some of the great, Football programs down there, and what a pipeline to recruits. And it sounds like the guys just absolutely love him. In my opinion, that would be the perfect Wichita State model to bring in a guy that's already in the program. You don't have to worry about, well, I mean, certainly there would be a chance that recruits still leave, but I just, I don't think, I think Les Miles was more of a name to get in the door to these recruits. Than the guy, then who they actually fell in love with and why they wanted to come play at Kansas. I think it was about Emmett Emmett Jones. I think it's about the position coach. I mean, as you know, uh, most football players will know, you know, that head coach, like, yeah, that's, you know, that's a guy you want to be around. You want to play for a certain head coach, but the relationship you build is with your position coach. You're with them 24 seven. A lot of times you'll go weeks at a time where you may not even have direct conversations with the head coach. That's just how it works on a football college football team. Do you think that
1: that? that's how it works at Alabama or Clemson? And I'm not saying that KU is going to get anybody, anybody the level of Dabo Sweeney or Nick Saban, because they're not, but those are successful programs. When you watch them, when ESPN comes and, and films, those guys aren't sitting back on the sideline, letting the assistants coach. Those guys are out there actually doing the coaching. So I'm not saying, you know, all I'm saying is that I don't necessarily want sure. a manager.
0: Well, and I'm not, and I, and I'm not advocating for that either. And I'm not. I'm also not suggesting that the head coach isn't involved in in all the position groups. Fair enough. But the relationship you build is much deeper with that position coach who you are with. All the time. So I think it makes sense. If you want to try to keep this recruiting class, if you truly are excited about this recruiting class, I think it makes sense to bump Emmett Jones into that interim head coaching position and let that staff stay in place. Because, you know, again, at this point there, you know, while there were rumbles that, Hey, there should be more success we wouldn't have seen less miles get fired this year, you know, because of the product that had been going on. So if you want to continue to build on, or if you think you are building on something, I think it makes a lot of sense to keep it at Emma Jones. Jones. Um, and I will, the other name that I really like, and I, I will get too much into detail, but that I keep seeing floated around um, is Jeff Munkin Mon- from army and i think again if you talk about pr hirings if you talk about a disaster that the kansas football program bringing in the head football coach of army uh who has a just an incredible <laughs> um i don't know stigma about him that he is a buttoned up straight lace i mean he was the head coach of army right so like you, they're going to hire people that follow that model um now I, you know he does certainly he you know ran the essentially the wing tee a very triple option heavy run game i I, from what i've read he's he's shown in the past he can adapt he comes from he's you know spent time in other programs where they weren't running the triple option i don't think you would certainly see that at, at kansas and they've brought in some some Decent wide receiver, so you'd be afraid that they might leave if you brought in a guy like that. But I think he could adapt, um, and certainly maybe zagging while everybody else is zigging in the Big Twelve might not be a terrible approach either. So that's the other name that I keep seeing floated around that I, I think would actually get me pretty excited.
2: So you know, Weston, that that's all that's all really nice, but I think it's I think it's time to get realistic about sort of where we're at in, in the search and. The bottom line is that Danny Manning is not going to be the, the athletic director at the University of Kansas. I just don't see a scenario where that's going to happen. I love Danny Manning. Danny Manning is an icon. Danny Manning is a legend. Danny I love Manning, on this
1: show, by the way.
2: I'm, I, this, is not, this is not Danny Manning's slander uh, <laughs> no, not. From, from my position, from my chair whatsoever. I just don't see a scenario where he's made the athletic director. And the reason for that is because – The athletic department as a whole is in such a precarious position right now as it is that I think you have to have somebody that has had experience in the administration position before Um, now. Again, we we saw what, what happened with that when they hired Jeff Long. Jeff Long had a lot of experience. All Jeff Long did in that press conference on Tuesday was tout his years of experience. Where did that get us, right? I understand all of that. I just don't think that you're going to want to hand the keys to someone who has never worked in in college athletics administration before. Danny Manning has coached quite a bit. At varying levels of success at various universities, um, including a stint as an assistant coach under Bill Self. Uh, I just don't think that he is quite ready for the monumental undertaking and rebuild that is going to be needed, especially with Kansas football, especially considering that his background is in basketball. You know, I would I I bet that Danny Manning has good contacts in athletics in general, but I'm not sure if he has the contacts college football head coaching-wise to be able to entrust him with that position. One name to keep an eye on, and I tweeted this just a few hours ago on Tuesday, once uh, on Wednesday once the news broke about Jeff Long, one name to keep your eyes on is former KU linebacker and former associate AD Banks Floodman as a potential candidate to be athletic director at the University of Kansas. This is a guy that is, you know, he's not an icon at the level of Danny Manning, but yet he is beloved in Lawrence. He is a, he's a name in that community. He's a name with that university. He had a long stretch of running the Williams fund uh, at the University of Kansas. He is um, well-respected by the top donors. He's also well-respected with my, to my knowledge by the staff, by the people that are there in Lawrence day in and day out. And he's built a pretty successful business career at the same time. One thing to keep your eyes on if Banks Floodman is in fact, somebody that the university of Kansas could consider as athletic director, a name that I've heard quite a bit floated around for head coach is Banks' teammate Kevin Kane, who is currently the assistant head coach and outside linebackers coach at Illinois and formerly was the offensive coordinator at uh, SMU at Southern Methodist University. That could make for a pretty interesting pairing as former teammates at Kansas for the football team were entrusted to turn the program around. Banks, Floodman, and Kevin Kane. And I don't know if you guys are that familiar with Kevin Kane. But if you've ever seen him before or seen any videos of him, his energy is infectious. The way that the guy carries himself, he's he's fiery. And that's one thing. And not to constantly dwell on what Kansas is leaving behind in less miles, but it was pretty evident from the first introductory press conference on That the less miles that came to Kansas was not the less miles that was at LSU, was not the less miles that was at Oklahoma State. He was a shell of himself. He was an old man by the time he came to Kansas. That fire was gone. And so, having somebody like Kevin Kane, who's got that energy and can keep up, you know, I think he's what, 37 years old right now? Um, He's, you know, proven himself to be a very capable assistant coach in the college ranks, loves the University of Kansas wholeheartedly. I think that would be an interesting choice to keep your eyes on. For me, guys,
1: I am not interested in hiring based on a name. I'm not interested in hiring a guy based on lineage because that's kind of what Jeff Long did based on his lineage at Michigan with Les Miles. I don't care about any of that. I don't care if we win the press conference on the hire because KU didn't win the press conference on the hire when they hired who? Who? Roy Williams. I'm not sure they won the press conference on the hire when they hired Mark Mangino. I don't care. I want an athletic director who can do two things, show leadership and raise money. I don't care about anything else. I'm not sure that Danny Manning is the right guy right now to do those things, especially in terms of leadership. I think of Danny Manning as a leader of young men, not necessarily the leader of an athletic department. Not that he can't get there at some point. Not that he couldn't be a really valuable asset in Lawrence. And by the way, if any of Bill Self's assistance leave and Danny Manning wants to come back, just fly him back here. He would be welcome to coach our big men anytime because of the job he's done with so many guys.
2: Hey, and, and by the I, way, and I, I don't yeah. mean to, I don't mean to interrupt you. You'll no, you get you get right back to it. But one other thing to keep in mind, and again, not to pile constantly on Jeff Long, but one thing that Jeff Long didn't do in his tenure was extend the contract to Bill Self. Which, if memory serves, his contract yeah. is up at the end of next year. There could have been yes, a scenario that is correct. And 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 I don't. And again, this is all speculation. This is all me trying to read into things that are not there. So this might not be accurate at all. But my understanding is that Bill Self and Jeff Long were not close at all. And at times, potentially had a contentious relationship. So, not only was this a situation, in my opinion, where donors were going to, you know, the the chancellor to remove Jeff Long because of the Les Miles debacle, but also because of the concerns about what could happen with Bill Self. Let's not forget there there's an NCAA investigation going on right now with the basketball program. So that's going to be. Pretty important for the new athletic director to have to deal with as well is that situation navigating that navigating Bill Self figuring out what's going to happen with the program if there you know there could very well be a scenario where there might be a suspension for Bill Self we don't know what's going to be happening Possibly. so how does the how does the athletic director navigate the NCAA issues I'm not quite sure with all of that complexity and you know potentially trying to navigate um, you know an extension for Bill Self Uh, I, I'm not sure Danny Manning again is the right. Choice. So, Blake, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I I want to get that in
1: there. Douglas Gerard, going back to what Weston said, in terms of getting an interim, I mean, I think the first thing that he needs to do is get the interim head coach in place because somebody has to be in charge of the day-to-day operations of football right now. Somebody's gonna to have to be running football practice. Somebody has to be in charge of recruiting. I mean, somebody just tweeted out, I think, oh, blessed to receive an offer from the University of Kansas. And I thank that that young man from the bottom of my heart for lying to everybody on the internet that he actually felt blessed to get an offer from the <laughs> University of Kansas. So there's no reason to think that he actually would be. But I don't mind Emmett Jones being the interim head coach for this year. I, you know, for all the reasons that you stated, I'm okay with that for this year. I don't think that hiring a new athletic director this year, whenever Kansas gets it done, and it will probably be sooner rather than later, I don't think getting a football coach in place in time for 2021 matters at all. KU football is going to be terrible this year. We just need to resign ourselves to that fact. Circumstances beyond Douglas Gerard's, Gerard's control KU football is going to stink this year, and they're not going to be relevant after the first week of the season. That's just the way it is. And if it turns into an Isaac Brown situation, I would love to be wrong, but I don't think it's going to happen. It's so much more difficult to turn around a football program with an interim head coach than it is a basketball program, especially this far away from the season. So for me, I want, I don't care. I've seen so many people on Twitter saying, oh, we need to run this offense or that. I'm I'm done keeping track of style points, okay? If we want to run the football 60 times per game and win every game 2-0, that's fine with me. I want to win games. I want to be close in games. I don't care if we have 500 yards of offense. I don't care if we're averaging 40 points per game. It doesn't matter. Give me a guy in here for KU football that can make Kansas competitive. I don't care if he gets five star recruits. I don't care if he gets four star recruits. I don't care if he gets no star recruits. Get a guy in here who can coach guys up and make Kansas football competitive. That's all I care about. I don't need it to be somebody from the Kansas tree. I'm not saying that it can't be somebody from the Kansas tree or Mark Mangino or whoever. I don't care where they are from. They need to be somebody who wants to embrace adversity because when you're the football coach at Kansas, that's just part and parcel, part of the job. That's going to be the way that it is for about the first three or four years. And we've got to have an athletic director with the vision and the foresight to get us out of this continual self-inflicted cycle of paying two, three, four football coaches at a time for no wins. Final thing from you guys, Weston starting with you. What is your prognosis right now for Kansas athletics, KU football, before we move on to happier topics that we ought to be talking about that we should have led the show with today here in the middle of March Madness? What is your prognosis for the return of Kansas football quickly? Obviously, that's going to depend on who the head coach is and who the athletic director is. It's a tough question to answer, but... When do you think that Kansas fans can honestly look ahead and say, "Okay, there's going to be brighter days on the horizon for the Crimson and Blue at Memorial Stadium?
0: Well, I think it's dang near, I mean, impossible to answer. I mean, if you're going to force me to put a timeline on it, I I believe that what they've the foundation they've built in the recruiting class and and they're bringing talent into Lawrence. They have brought, I like some of the flashes that they had in the freshman class. If they build upon that with the guys that are coming in now, I mean, I think you're two years away from being competitive in the big 12, not two years for a championship, but being competing in and out. Now the part where I say, I don't know. It's impossible to say is because who they hire matters. Not as much about, what quality of coach he is. It's whether what they've built stays or not. If they bring in a coach that can be the best coach in the world, but all the recruits leave, he's starting from ground zero. And it's the answer is four years at that point. Um, so that's, I mean, I, but I think it's just incredibly, I, I mean, I've always been overly optimistic. So I, I know that I'm sure everybody who listens to this podcast has continuously heard me be overly optimistic about Kansas football. And that that's fine. That's where I'm at. I, I you know, I do, I think there's some growth that we've seen, so I'm hoping to build off that. Um, but I will mention before we, we transition, I don't know if you guys have been following along with Mike Vernon, uh, who used to be of the Bleacher Report, who was kind of breaking a lot of this stuff, or, or at least ahead of the game on a lot of this stuff. He has said that what he hears is donors have circulated at least two names to be explored as KU's next athletic director. Uh, one being Danny Manning, two being banks floodman and here's the thing guys i know you discussed you both just had a kind of discussion of what kansas should do but that that's not when you're trying to predict this it's not a matter of what they should do it's what they will do and if those donors are circulating a couple names you can bet for damn sure that those two names are at, at a minimum at the top of the list not saying that's who they hire but they are at the top of the list if that's who the donors want
2: you know, we're we're in a really precarious position with, with Kansas Athletics as a whole right now. Um, you know, Blake, I know that you had mentioned that this is this whole situation. I don't remember exactly the words that you used about the what the darkest day in Kansas Athletics or the toughest time or whatever history. in the history. Okay. Yes. But that being said, there was a stretch of time. That wasn't, don't get me wrong. It wasn't as bad as what we're dealing with right now with no athletic director, no head football coach, NCAA investigation into basketball. You know, we still don't know what the fallout is going to be with that, you know, a a winless football program. Again, this is really, really bad. I I would agree with you. It's the worst, but there was a period of time back in 2003 where Kansas athletics was going through a pretty rough patch at the same time. Sure. You had just lost in the, in the NCAA tournament, uh, The athletic director uh, Al Boll was fired from KU. Roy Williams resigned to go to North Carolina. All of that happened within like a two week span back in 2003. There was an interim athletic director at the time. It was the, a lot of people forget this. It was the interim athletic director that hired Bill Self. It wasn't a full time. It wasn't Lou Perkins. It wasn't Bob. It wasn't, right. it wasn't Bob Frederick. It was an interim athletic director, and look where Kansas is right
1: now. So yes, that, that's correct. It was Drew Jennings.
2: So where well, yeah, to go, Drew, you guys. So at the end of at the end of the day, Kansas has been through some precarious times before with an athletic department, and the most important thing back then, and the most important thing right now are about the same. And that's what Weston just alluded to. That's keeping those big donors happy. As soon as you start losing that support, as long as that support erodes and it goes away, when that happens, you've lost the ship completely. Now, as of right now, I think it's a good sign that the top group of donors cared enough about Kansas athletics to go to the chancellor to demand a change. Had they had they kind of pulled the Blake Crips and said, I don't care, if, if Jeff Long sticks around or, or not, that's the bigger problem. They cared enough to go to the chancellor and demand a change. I don't know if you guys saw this. The current interim AD is Kurt Watson, who is one of the most prominent donors right now at for the University of Kansas. In fact, I'm pretty sure that at least he did live in the Wichita area. Maybe he still does with his wife. He's a retired banker. He's a prominent donor for Kansas. He's the interim athletic director right now. <clears throat> Douglas Gerard put a a prominent donor in the place of interim AD, showing in my mind what that means is that the University of Kansas is really going to listen to those people. Now, not only is there a search firm, but the, I, the but Douglas Gerard released a message saying that there was going to be an alumni advisory committee to go along with the search firm for the athletic director. So that again, that leads me to believe that for once in a long time these top money donors are going to be listened to and cared about in this search they are going to be invested in that I don't think that they were invested at all under Jeff Long. I think Jeff Long alienated them. I think that and Zinger, I liked Dr. Zinger a lot, but I think he made some decisions that probably weren't properly vetted through the people who are giving the money year in and year out. So I think that finally somebody, a light bulb went off and said, Hey, you know, maybe we ought to see what these donors think before we make any kind of rash decisions. So to answer your question, yes, we have been in precarious situations before. I don't exactly know what the timeline is for KU football. And to be honest with you about that timeline, I really don't care. I I do care, but I don't care about whether it's one year, two years, five years. I just want them to get it right for once. And if that takes a few years that's fine. I feel like we have hit rock bottom. We've been dragging along rock bottom for a while with the David Beatty debacle, now the Les Miles debacle. If we can do something to pull ourselves out of the dumpster, that's all I care about right now.
1: That would be nice. You know, thinking back to Shane Zenger. I mean, I, I think you have to give him a little bit more credit. He did accomplish two really major capital prod, prod, sure, projects sure. at the Rock Chalk Park, and he re- rebuilt that the Horish, uh, which is a fantastic volleyball yeah. arena. Hopefully they'll hey, get to I, fill it up.
2: I like like I I like Dr. Zinger. I liked him a lot. I had a chance to spend some time with him. In fact, I had dinner with the guy one time. Great guy. Um, I I felt bad that, you know, that, that situation happened and he, he lost his job. Uh, But again, it's a tough business. And, and and, and Kansas athletics is in position now where they got to get it right this time.
1: And KU football ain't an easy thing to fix. Obviously we're going to have a lot of follow-ups on this coming up next week. We're going to be paying attention to this and, paying attention to who the next football coach will be and eventually when the new athletic director is selected. We will obviously get to that. Now on to what we should be talking about today, basketball. State tournament basketball is underway. Modified format this year from the Kansas State High School Activities Association. First round games of the state tournament, the so-called quarterfinal round, which I always call the first round, held on home sites. And then the state tournament uh, sites are hosting the final four teams. And those games are beginning today as you see this podcast. 6A Boys is the main headline for me. Not that it's a City League team, but the Campus Colts have all that name recognition 20 and 2 after beating Hutchinson 70 to 61. Salt Hawks did not have a great season, but they did tie the game at 53 in the fourth quarter. But a huge run for Campus to end that game as they score 17 of the game's last, what, 25 points. They take on the Free State Firebirds in 7 p.m. semifinals Thursday, and that will be down here at Coke Arena. Firebirds advance by outscoring Wichita Heights 5-0 in overtime as the Falcons couldn't quite make it back to Coke Arena. This is, I think, the first time, except for last year, that they would have been eligible to return because you'll recall that they actually got booted from 6A and five to 5A had to go up to the Topeka Expo Center to play in the 5A state tournament under Joe Auer. Uh, So it's Lawrence versus Blue Valley North on the other half of that bracket. But so many other local teams that are going to be playing. Tommy, what are some of the local teams and games that you're going to be paying attention to here this weekend as state tournament basketball really gets back to feeling like state tournament basketball with teams at a centralized location?
2: Well, I, I'm actually not going to answer your question. The reason is because uh, before we get into the games uh, that I'm looking forward to, one game that I want to point out that already happened was in five A, and that was in the the state semifinals with Mays and Bishop Carroll. Um, that was just a knockdown, dragout defensive battle. Uh, you know, Mays beat Bishop Carroll 37 to 33. I guess that wasn't the semifinal game. That was the no, sub-state game.
1: championship. But oh, yeah. Moving- for
2: sure. Yeah, the first round game. They'll be moving to the semifinal game. Right. Mays will uh, in Emporia this weekend. But what I what I thought was interesting about that game was that it really combined two different styles of basketball. If anybody has watched Mays at all this season, or you know what Mays is all about, they're all about high scoring. They're all about playing at a really fast pace, getting the ball up and down the court. Bishop Carroll they're known for for their defense. That's what they've been known for all season long. So it was a big question mark going into this game, whose style was going to win out. And it's kind of interesting because – Bishop Carroll's style won out, but Bishop Carroll didn't win the game. And so I think that's pretty telling for Mays as they go to the semifinals in 5A, that they can play not only their high style, their their high flying style of basketball, but they can also get down and dirty and play defense and win games by a final score of 37 to 33. So that was the one game that I saw um, in, in the opening round, in the quarterfinal round, that really caught my eye. I'll be interested to see what Mays can do in the semifinals.
1: And they, the Topeka West Chargers, they got to throw, throw it out to my alma mater real quick. 20 and 2, they are also still alive. They got DeSoto, Mays meeting Kansas City, Washington. Those games are going to be at White Auditorium in Emporia uh, coming up on uh, Thursday and later this week. Weston, what do you have your eye on at the state basketball tournament?
0: So let's go ahead and uh, switch over to uh, girls basketball. We got 44 in a row out of the Andover Central Girls Basketball team. I um, mean they'll head back to the the uh, Friday semi-finals i mean really unbelievable I it, I know there's a lot of times you get a lot of runs in prep basketball or in prep sports where you can have big winning streaks it just the nature of prep sports can kind of create that but basketball I feel like is so tough just because anybody can get so hot on a given night so I think 44 is incredibly impressive from from those uh andover Central girls but the number one ranked Jaguars um they held off Mays in a 56 to 52. Um, pretty exciting game in, in the quarter, quarterfinals matchup. I think Maze is that's about as much as uh, has given much of a run as anyone has for against Andover Central. Um, so they'll go on, and uh, Andover Central will go on in search of their first state championship since 2010, which is I actually kind of found that surprising, knowing the success. And, you know, I mean, we're talking about 44 straight out of Andover Central. And, you know, the fact that they, this would be their first state championship since 2010 is um, kind of surprising, but uh, the, they continue to roll on. And then we also have uh, Cheney, which, you know, just outside of Wichita there, they won in a double overtime thriller against Halstead to go on to uh, the class 3A. And I think, so 3A is in semifinals as well. Is that right? Yes, yes. The, yeah, uh, they're all in Cheney, semifinals now. Right, okay. The Cheney-Halstead game was quarter, quarterfinals, so Cheney will go on to... Uh, the semifinals. And it looks like we had sophomore Campbell Hague uh, had the go ahead three with 27 seconds left. So uh, pretty impressive, uh, fun game. Anytime, anytime you get double overtime, that's going to be exciting. We got a couple of local area schools going on. And I, I think, and you guys may have more information, but that's kind of, those two schools are about the only girls teams that I see that are from the area going on unless I'm missing something.
2: Hey,
1: uh, what about your alma mater? Hello. Right. Where is oh, the shit.
0: terrible take
1: horn? Uh, 18 and 5 Andale 4A girls taking on Bishop <laughs> Miesh. Terrible, terrible by you. You Where should you turn been? in your Indian letter jacket. Give your diploma back to the school. Don't ever show your face in Andale again. That's awful. Uh, you yeah. apologize to the good people of Andale right now
0: my letter jacket is back at home in Andell right now. Uh, so yeah, just stay there. You shouldn't, certainly shouldn't bear throw it throw anymore. It
2: out.
0: Yeah. You know, no, and I even saw, I, I, even. I know I even caught some highlights of that game. Um, you know, Jules Eck had a pretty sick uh reverse layup. It was like a nice backdoor cut. So I did catch the highlights of that. And my old football coach, uh, Defensive Coordinator Tim Fairchild was tweeting out some uh some clips that I saw. So I was even following along and I, I you know what, I really dropped the ball on that one. I hand up, hand up, just Tommy you shows been on the in a row. I've had a mistake. This, this, Tommy you've been on the show Longer than I have I don't
1: think anybody Has ever stepped in it Worse than that guy Just did on this show <laughs> Thank goodness he brings Looks to the program That's a fireable offense Right there
2: Yeah the only thing That's more shocking Than what just happened With Weston Not mentioning his alma mater In Andale For the first time Ever on the show <laughs> The only thing More shocking than that Is uh, the fact that It was somebody named Eck That made the go ahead Basket in, and- in Andale Because I feel like <laughs> Everybody's yeah, right. last name is yeah. Eck in and Andale is basically the way it works. No, the other uh, the other area team that I do want to give a shout out, uh, this is back in, in boys. Um, the number two seed in class 4A is Augusta. They made it to the semifinal, uh, and so they'll be taking on Lewisburg. Um, And it looks like what Class 4A and I believe 3A, those games, I guess 4A though, is the the only one held in Salina at the Tony's Pizza Event Center. So uh, congratulations to Augusta for making it that far. I think those are the only area teams that have made it as far to semifinals in either boys or girls. Cheney is also 23-0 to go along with Andover
1: Central. And Kylie Shear had 29 points in that first-round win. They've got Frontenac. 3A is playing at the Hutchinson Sports Arena on Thursday. Uh, Sabetha and Hugoton on the other side of that bracket. Uh, big challenge, as you know, Andell taking on Bishop Miege. The Stags are 21-1. Uh, McPherson and Lewisburg on the other side of that 4A girls bracket. St. Thomas Aquinas is going to be awaiting the winner of that Andover Central game against the Salina Central Mustangs. Mustangs. Mustangs, STA has got Lansing. That has been a dynasty for the Saints in 5A. Um, If you want to count Heston, as a local team. They're 21-1. and They got TMP Marion in the 3A Boys Tournament. Hillsborough beat Bell Plain in the 2A Boys Tournament. That is going to be at Bramlage Coliseum. And I think we also can count Garden Plain as being a local team. They're the number four seed in the 2A Girls side, taking on 22-1 and Sterling, Valley Heights, and St. Mary's Colgan on the other side of that. Once again, 2A is at Bramlage Coliseum in Manhattan. So plenty of, of local teams here. And Obviously, guys, we'll be following and get you the results next week for these local teams. And hopefully some of them are going to be bringing back some championships to Sedgwick County.
2: Yeah, the the only other thing that I want to point out about, uh, at least on the boys' side in 6A, is that while things might be really, really bad right now at the University of Kansas, things are pretty good for Lawrence High Schools in basketball, as both (laughs) Lawrence and Free State are in the semifinals. And then, of course, you can't really count Blue Valley North. I mean, they're in Overland Park, but not that far away. Uh, but yeah, you there's an opportunity where you could have Lawrence taking on Free State in the state finals for six A. So things might be bad at the university level, but they're going pretty well for high school basketball.
1: I cannot tell you how big that would be if they if they were allowed to have fans down here at Coke Arena. You have the city, the city showdown yeah. for the state championship. That would be unbelievable. One thing that I do want to point out is Have you guys seen some of these ticket prices for the online ticketing for these state championships with the online fees? It's like $17, and they're clearing the gym between every game? K-S-H-S-A-A, you guys are the ones who have talked about run ads for years, and appropriately so, saying how affordable – High school sports is. And you're gonna charge people, these parents, in this economic downturn for so many families, 17 plus dollars to go to these games and not even it's not even an all-session pass. That's indefensible to me. They should they should issue refunds, they should drop the price by half, especially if it's not an all-session pass, and they should make it affordable for these families that want to go. A family of four is gonna spend. Over $60 to go to these games? That's crazy.
2: You you cannot do that. I'm sorry. That's bad. That's really bad. What do you think the reasoning behind that is? I mean, is it just a money grab for Keisha? I don't think it's an
1: intentional money grab. I think it—they, somebody broke it down on Twitter. I think it was Sean Boston. He does play-by-play, I think for Dodge City, I want to say. Um, and they have the price of the ticket, and then there's an online convenience fee and some other f- – basically, the, the ticket's $9, and then it's like $8 worth of fees. Find another way to do it without the $8 of fees. That's that's bad. Terrible. So anyway, best of luck to the kids. K-S-H-S-A-A, lower your ticket prices. We're <laughs> making it all session
0: pass. That's horrible. Uh, on to college hey, basketball. Well, oh, go ahead, Wesley. Wait, before we- – yeah, before we move on, because I'm still on my apology tour, I also want to give a shout out <laughs> then to Garden Plain, because Ridderick School District—that's Andell and Garden Plain. I've got some Garden Plain listeners here on this podcast. Shout out to Austin Leedy, and they would be disappointed that I also failed to mention Garden Plain. That's terrible. Um, but I, I also wanted to take a quick second to shed some blame. Uh, to the Wichita eagle for not putting that in their uh, story that I'm uh, re- reading my updates from so you know what I'll take the blame do
2: your own reporting to the to the eagle what do, do your do we- your do your own reporting you're a you're a member of the media now no. do your own reporting I'm, I'm not media
0: i'm not media oh, i'm no. just a podcast <laughs> Do you do any research
1: for this show at all? You're to blame the no. Wichita Eagle? Come, Come on. on.
0: That's horrible. I just my you my brain, brain guys. That's all there is to it.
1: Well, I mean, I wish you would start today. You're not having a good show today, Weston. Not a good show at all. Uh, moving on. We'll see if we can bounce is, back we're here. We're talking
0: about Practice?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> if, well, you should have practiced before the show. We're going to move on to college basketball here and we'll see if Weston can pick it up here a little bit. Uh, we'll start with Wichita State and the American Athletic Conference Tournament. Before we get into the American Athletic Conference Tournament, Wichita State, hanging a banner, guys, AAC champions, number one seed, 15 and four Ooh. record. And, uh, you know, Several postseason awards, a very impressive victory last time out on Saturday, beating South Florida 80 to 63. Really put the hammer down. First and second half, pretty comprehensive victory for Wichita State. One of the most impressive ones they've had in the last stretch of the season. Tyson Etienne, six of 12 from the three point line. And this is a very, very hot shooting three point team. Wichita State, 40% plus from the three-point line in at least three games, 12 turnovers or less in four of the last five, and Tariq Gilbert, 18 assists, six turnovers over his last two games. Defensively, Wichita State has had issues. They're seventh in the American Conference in scoring defense, 111th in, Cape, in Ken Palm, so they have not been the dominant defensive team that they have been in the past, but guys, this is a team that is shooting the ball really well and Tommy as we have seen so many times watching Kansas basketball when Kansas doesn't win it seems like a bad shooting night and you and Bill Self has said and I think that this is really smart you always are going to have one game in the tournament where you don't play your best game either you're not defending well most of the time at least anecdotally I believe it's a night that you don't shoot your percentage whether it be from the field you miss layups or you miss three-pointers, that is the game that gets you beat. Wichita State right now is generating open shots. Tyson Etienne and Altari Gilbert have been a dynamic duo in the backcourt. Dexter Dennis has been efficient offensively, still been playing outstanding defense. They need a lot more guys to start playing defense like Dexter Dennis because I think that you can say Wichita State's defense has been slightly above average here recently. Offensively, though, in terms of shot making, Tommy, this is about the best that I have ever seen Wichita State look as a team. I know Cle Anthony Early has had some good stretches. Ron Baker and Fred Van Vliet obviously filled it up. But in terms of top to bottom, they have got depth of three point shooters and they are all clicking right now.
2: Yeah, they are. And I I think it can't be understated the importance of the fact that the Shockers are able to just play freely right now. You know, there's really nothing heavy on their shoulders, or at least there shouldn't be going into the American tournament. You know, they've exceeded expectations. I know it's really cliche to say this, and a lot of people in in the sports world do, but I'm going to use this term. The Shockers are playing with house money. And, and they they have been for a while, right? I mean, they were picked seventh in the American Conference. They were coming off a tumultuous offseason. They were coming off of a very quick transition to an interim head coach, and nobody had any idea how he was going to do or even if he would be around after this season was done. And, and look what the players were able to do. We've talked about it at length. We've talked about what Isaac Brown has been able to do, uh, you know, leading this Shocker program. And now we're at a point now where we've got Isaac Brown as the unanimous American coach of the year. We've got, you know, Tyson Etienne as co-player of the year in the American conference you know that they're they're regular season american conference champions they're going into the tournament as the number one seed um and and as of right now i don't want to say they're a lock because anything can happen but it's a far cry for the shockers of where they were just a few weeks ago on bubble talk and bracketology so at this point the shockers are able to play free they're able to play their game without a whole lot of restrictions without a whole lot of heaviness i would like to think that these guys are having a whole lot of fun they know that isaac brown is their guy and they're not playing for his job anymore. They're, you know, they can go out there and they can, they they can do what they need to do and they can have fun doing it. And so I like where the Shockers stand going into the American tournament. And more importantly, I like where the shockers are at going into the big dance in just a couple of weeks. Well,
1: and and Weston, you know, you look at this Wichita State team, Tommy, to, to your point about how they're playing free, in terms of Haslametrics ratings, because he rates every single win, their two best statted wins have come in the last month of the season. It was the Houston win and the win they just had over South Florida. Those are their two most impressive wins, at least by the analytics. So Weston, Tommy, would seem to be accurate on this, I don't know. It's a very intangible thing, obviously, how a team responds to something that's completely out of their control off the court like this. And this is a really weird situation. I'm not sure we have a lot of data about this where an interim coach is leading the team, where Greg Marshall is fired the way that he is, and they get the coach the regular job. But in, at least judging by their last two wins, it does appear like Wichita State is playing its best basketball of the year.
0: Well, you know, and you, one thing that I like that you mentioned kind of in the beginning is their three-point shooting, you know, and, and I think it that is just the way the game of basketball is going, right? So three-point shooting has become more important than ever. And I think it's... I've always kind of been one to believe in, you know, something uh, uh, that you can't put a a stat on is that shooting is contagious. And I think the fact that Tyson Etienne has really led this Shocker team, I think has kind of led these guys into that, you know, that rhythm, that performance. And, uh, you know, I've probably talked all year about Tyson Etienne, More than maybe I needed to, maybe could have focused on their guys, but I have just been blown away by what he's done this year. And I think, you know, the coaches in the AAC certainly recognize that as well as he was, you know, voted in for the as the co AAC player of the year. And I wanted to mention too, um, the list of, of shockers that have won, uh, you know, a conference player of the year. Obviously, you know, we're new to the AAC, but conference player of the year. This list for Tyson that Tyson Etienne is joining is quite impressive. So you've got Fred Van Vliet who won it in 14 and 16. Uh, old Paul Miller time back in 2006. <laughs> yeah. uh, then you've got Xavier McDaniel and Antoine Carr. That's it. That's the list. And now Tyson Etienne. You, I don't. I don't know if, as much as Shocker fans are in love with Tyson Etienne, as much as I've talked about Tyson Etienne, I don't know if we're still even appreciating what he's done for this basketball team this year. He's been so phenomenal, and the fact that now everything else is clicking around him is really making this Shockers team into the stretch run of, of good basketball they've been playing. Things are clicking at the right time. We've all talked about this, whether we've talked about it in the context of Kansas, or whether we're talking about it in the context of Wichita State, it's all about getting hot at the right time and boy, the shockers are hot at the right time.
1: They will get number nine seed temple and number eight seed South Florida. Those two teams are playing Thursday at 11 o'clock as they get the AAC tournament underway. So as this podcast is dropping around midday on Thursday, that game probably is going to be already underway or very close to it. Maybe even final by the time you guys are watching or listening to this guys Or do you have any concerns about Wichita State? Because I do about their rebounding. Wichita State is last in the American Conference in the regular season in defensive rebounding percentage, meaning that they give up more offensive rebounds than anybody. And like I shared earlier, their defensive numbers have been pretty mediocre for a lot of the season. Not that they haven't had good defensive performances at times. I thought that they defended the Bulls pretty well. But you'll recall – That Temple and the Bulls, not very good. South Florida, not a tremendous team this year. They only beat South Florida by five in overtime in Tampa. And Temple, a team that Wichita State never got to play a second time, they pushed Wichita State to three points in February. Wichita State has been dominating the three-point line. They're third in the American Athletic Conference in three-point percentage defense. And like we said, they are hitting their hot streak and hitting – this is the best stretch of the season in terms of shooting for Wichita State. But I am concerned about their rebounding, particularly on the defensive side of the ball – going into the American Athletic Conference Tournament. And also, Tommy, what are your thoughts on the bracketology right now for Wichita State? Don't know if you guys checked Weston or Tommy, but as of today, before the tournament started, Memphis is actually in the first four out right now. So... A lot of talk was coming in that Wichita State, which is not in the first four buys and not in the last four in, so they're at least inside the top or or the the bottom eight of the at-large teams to get in. And obviously right now, they might as well be projected to be the conference tournament champion because they're the number one seed. And I like their chances against Houston in the conference tournament. But there had been talk that they needed to at least get to the semifinals to punch their ticket in. Now with Memphis coming up, and being in that first four teams out, I'm not sure how much of a bubble team Wichita State really is anymore. Despite the defensive and rebounding issues, they've played so well
2: offensively, Tommy, that they may just need to win one game and they may be in. Well, very quickly to touch on your rebounding concerns, uh, are, are Wichita is Wichita State the best rebounding team in the conference? No, they're, they're not. No. But are they capable of going out and having a good rebounding night? Absolutely. Absolutely. They are uh, you, all you got to do is go back to the Houston game. Right. And that was the huge national narrative about, you know, the 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 Cougars were going to come out and absolutely dominate the glass against the Shockers. And that would be, you know, the, the deciding factor in the game. And, and that wasn't the case. You go back to that game. Remember, the Shockers out rebounded the Cougars in that game. And Houston had been drummed up as the best rebounding team in the conference and one of the top rebounding teams in the entire country. And the Shockers were able to hang with them. I think consistency is the more important thing as far as the way the Shockers attack the glass night in and night out. Can they show up for one game? Sure. Can they show up for a stretch of games? That's the question mark. And that's going to be important, especially going into the conference tournament and then into the big dance. As far as bracketology is concerned, you know, again, there are multiple people that do this. There are multiple experts out there that make their living on bracketology. But of course, everybody knows Joe Lenardi. And as of today, Joe Lenardi has the Shockers moving up. They're actually an 11 seed in ESPN's bracketology right now. And that's as of Wednesday night. Um, You know, he's got the Shockers as. On the eleven line, taking on USC, who's a six, uh, who's a six seed. Um, So you know that I think that's encouraging for Wichita State, right? I you know, like I said just a few minutes ago, I'm not saying that Wichita State is not a bubble team. I would hate to know what would happen if the Shockers get bounced in the first round with a huge upset in the American tournament. I don't want to know what that scenario looks like. But that being said. I do believe, and I said it just a few minutes ago, the Shockers are in a much better position bracketology-wise right now than they were just a couple of weeks ago when we were having conversations about how desperate Wichita State was for wins and what they needed to do to hopefully crawl into the NCAA tournament. That is not the case right now for Wichita State.
0: The only thing I, I and we, add I'll add is- Oh, go ahead, well, the only thing I, I wanna kinda touch on when, you know, we talked about three point shooting and we've talked about rebounding, you know, and it, it kind of makes me think of the old saying, live by the three, die by the three, but I'm gonna add a little bit more to that. Live by the three, die by the three, except for when you rebound the three, right? So like it, it the rebounding is going to be important when you shoot the ball, you know, shoot the three ball as much as as the shockers do. It creates a significant opportunity for second chance points when you have those long rebounds so of course defensive rebounds are always important you know ending that possession for the other team is i mean there's not not more anything to say to that that's incredibly important but that opportunity for the shockers to pick up some offensive rebounds when they're shooting that three ball is going to be so important to win games and and when we talk about march you know the actual march badness ncaa tournament doing that is how you upset some teams that you're not expected to win against. So I think uh, focusing and, and watching for Wichita State's rebound is an important thing to keep an eye on.
1: And I know this is a dirty name that Wichita State fans don't like. It's kind of akin to saying Doug Gottlieb, but Jerry Palm actually likes the Shockers. He's got the Shockers as a nine seed right now in the Midwest. He's got Kansas as a four seed Also in the Midwest, so if that played out, that would be a sweet 16 game between the Jayhawks and the Shockers. Not saying it's going to happen, just saying that it has been predicted by Jerry Palm. Uh, The Big 12 basketball tournament is underway. And today, guys, a very impressive start for the Kansas State Wildcats as they had, I thought, one of their best games of the year. Uh, They've won four out of five as they defeated uh, TCU in the first round. And quite honestly, you know, I am a KU basketball fan. I wouldn't want to play kansas state in the second round they looked really good they had a 21 2 run at one point in this game they beat tcu like a drum 71 to 50 71 50 they beat texas christian but they looked really really nice mike mcgirl 7 to 14 17 points and nigel pack a guy that you guys have been on all year long and appropriately so he could not be stopped TCU had absolutely no answer for Nigel Pack in this game. He got everything that he wanted. 23 points, 5 of 6 from the three-point line, 6 of 8 from the field. Kansas State dominated this game. Baylor has looked a little vulnerable. They have definitely not played up to their normal standards. Kansas just absolutely annihilated them just a few days ago, as you guys remember. It'll be interesting to see what kind of a Baylor team comes out. You would think that a performance like this would get their attention. But Kansas State today, they got really good minutes from their freshmen. They got really good defensive minutes. I thought that this was more of a a game – For Bruce Weber, that we're Bruce Weber typically is a pretty good defensive coach. I feel like, and I didn't look at the stats to back this up, but I think that Kansas State typically is a pretty good defensive program. I think of them that way. Obviously, they haven't been this year, but Tommy, they have played very well defensively as of late. They held TCU to four of 19 from the three-point line. They won the Battle of the Boards. This is a really impressive victory for Kansas State. I thought obviously the oklahoma game because of the stature of who they were playing is the more impressive win but in terms of putting things together both ends of the court of the court and a 40 minute performance i thought that this was kansas state's best game of the year
2: Jamie Dixon has got to be incredibly tired of Bruce Weber and the wildcats <laughs> this was the fourth year in a row that Kansas State knocked out TCU in the big 12 tournament the fourth year in a row Incredible. and so you, you gotta you gotta think I mean I, I'm not sure that that's Ever happened before where there's one team eliminating another team that many times in a row. But at the end of the day, yeah, you know, Kansas State played a great game. You know, I think the one Achilles heel, not only in this game, but one of their biggest issues, the Wildcats have had all season long, are turnovers. Um, and and you know they still had thirteen turnovers in that game, which is far too many. But think about the fact that they had thirteen turnovers and still won by twenty one points. I mean, that was clearly just a dominant offensive outing uh, for uh, the for the Wildcats. And and like you mentioned, you know their reward for that is getting a date with Baylor uh, in the second round of the Big Twelve tournament. And like you mentioned, Baylor just in some cases have not they've not looked as dominant as they looked at the beginning of the season we're not going to get into all the reasons why we we've documented that pretty extensively i think on the last episode of the show but it'll be curious to me uh i there, there's no in my mind there's no way that kansas state win this game will, will, will win this game baylor you think the, you think they can push baylor Right. I think Baylor will get the victory. But the big question is how much will they push Baylor? And what will the national narrative be? Will it be kind of what everybody heard when Kansas upset Baylor? Well, that's not the same Baylor that we've seen earlier on the season. I'll be interested to see what that narrative is. But I would like to see Kansas State give Baylor a run for their money. And the way that the Wildcats played against TCU, that might not be out of the question.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, K State's been playing really good basketball. Well, I, let no, nope, sorry, let me back up. That not really good basketball down the stretch, but they have played significantly improved basketball. And I, you know, I think <laughs> I, I, as a podcast, and maybe maybe I'll, uh, I don't know. I think Blake hopped in too, but I mean, are we all kind of maybe turning a corner on not whether you think Bruce Weber is the answer at K State, but notwithstanding you know, the comment that he's going to be the head coach, that he should stay still. You still think he should be gone, so, Tommy, even though you've seen this growth at the end of the season. Yes. So he, yes, here yes, is my rebuttal. Problem.
1: Cause it, I, I was accused of being a fence sitter by Mr. Castor a couple of weeks ago, when we had this discussion. <laughs> Did you know that Kansas state had the second most freshman minutes of any team in the country this year? And look at the freshmen. Look at the underclassmen that they had. K.O.C. Eziegu had a really had a fine game today. Nigel Pack, a freshman, going to be coming back. A lot of the guys, uh, Davion Bradford today, had a pretty good game. Uh, ended up with eight points, uh, six rebounds, four of six. A lot of these younger players have been playing better down the stretch. All I'm saying is, If you like Bruce Weber, if you think that he has been more good than bad because you've definitely got a big heaping handful of great at Kansas State and you've got a heaping handful of this is pretty stinky while he's been the head coach at Kansas State, there is a compelling case that I feel you can make Either way, obviously, if you want to look at the entire season, if you throw the last five games out, and let's be fair, the wins in the four of the last five games for Kansas State, it's been TCU, Iowa State, and TCU again. Now, they did have the win against Oklahoma. That was very impressive. Don't want to take that away from them. They played Oklahoma State tough, played Texas tough, and they got absolutely assassinated by Kansas and Baylor and West Virginia in that horrible four game stretch around the Texas A&M game and the Big 12 SEC Challenge in late January, early February. But if you want to be on Bruce Weber's side, there is ammunition that you have. There are reasons to be hopeful. And if if you do not like Bruce Weber, obviously all you have to do is look back before this stretch, and you can easily make a case that Bruce Weber has got to go.
2: Uh, I'm not going to get I'm not going to get drawn into this debate again. I've made I've I've (laughs) I've made my position perfectly clear on Bruce Weber. And just because they're winning games late in the season that don't matter to them at all. It's not going to impact the result of the season one way or another for the Wildcats. It doesn't matter to me. Um, I, I, I feel about Bruce Weber the way Blake feels about Kansas recruiting it doesn't matter doesn't matter (laughs) we will see it
1: appears that he will be back and the Kansas State Wildcats coming up next for them as we mentioned will be the Baylor Bears and that game is going to be coming up as you see this it will be today 1 30 p.m and that is going to be on the deuce playing four hours later today as you watch this Podcast will be the number two seed, Kansas Jayhawks, and they will be playing the winner of a game that is actually going on right now, about through halftime. And I don't have a score of it; haven't been paying attention because, hey, we've been doing the show. Oklahoma and Iowa State. Obviously, there is a really big disparity between having to play Iowa State in the second round and having to play Oklahoma. KU could easily lose to Oklahoma. I don't think KU is going to lose to Iowa State, but the big news is. Two things for KU, obviously. KU not particularly impressive against Texas El Paso last time out. David McCormick continued his dominant play, 18 points, 10 rebounds. Ojaya Bhaji was terrific. Jalen Wilson was horrible in that game. I'd give him a complete pass, complete... free pass around because he's been so unbelievably great throughout the rest of February. He was due for a bad game, so I don't read anything into that. Garrett, again, struggled offensively when he was looking for his own shot, but huge defensively late on forward Bryson Williams. But the big news Tristan Anaruna, David McCormick, out of the Big 12 tournament due to coronavirus protocols. ESPN's Holly Rowe reported during the Kansas State game today that David McCormick was out due to a positive coronavirus test. Now, I have not seen that repeated anywhere else She also reported that you have to have seven negative tests before you can be allowed into the NCAA tournament bubble, which will be all up at Indianapolis coming up next week. And Bill Self has said that he is very optimistic that both Tristan and David McCormick will both be available for the NCAA tournament. But those two guys are going to be out of the Big 12 tournament. So this is going to be a much different Kansas team, Tommy, one that had been relying on on David McCormick, a team that's been playing much, much better defensively, and I'll get to that a little bit later, but kind of relying on him to be the main man in the middle, running the offense through him. Now with him taken out, he's obviously rebounded much better against UTEP. It will be a much different looking Kansas team and a preview of the team we'll see in the NCAA tournament if he, in fact, is not able to resume his uh, his season because of coronavirus.
2: Well, it does look like uh, that Kansas will more than likely face off against Oklahoma right now in the second half. The Sooners have a 14-point lead over Iowa State with about 12 minutes to go in the game. The cycle Cyclones- of no one. Yeah, the, the Cyclones don't strike me as a team that can make a big comeback against Oklahoma. So
1: I, I would agree with you there.
2: So more than likely, you know, Bill Self and the Jayhawks are going to be planning for the Sooners. I would imagine they probably were already planning for the Sooners. Probably. Um, but with the whole situation with David McCormick, I think you're going to have to get really creative if you're Bill Self. Um, I think the worst thing that could happen. The the worst game plan could possibly be, in my opinion, that the Jayhawks just trot out Mitch Lightfoot to just fill the role oh. of David McCormick.
0: Oh, oh, you are so wrong, Tommy, and I will talk about why here. All now. right, go
2: ahead.
1: That's right. Right. So the case against Doctor Lightfoot a counselor, a castle have the floor.
2: Yeah, I, I really <laughs> thank you very, very much. I think that's the worst possible game plan that the Jayhawks can have going into this game against the Sooners, primarily just because of the fact that, you know, Mitch Lightfoot cannot do what David McCormick does on either side of the floor. Also, when you look at the way Brady Manick plays for the Sooners, that's going to present a real challenge if you're Mitch Lightfoot. I think that more than likely what is going to need to happen is Bill Self is going to need to play a five guard matchup. I think that Jalen Wilson lines up much better against a guy like Brady Manick than a Mitch Lightfoot does. Now don't get me wrong. Mitch Lightfoot is going to get minutes in this game. That's just the way it's going to work. But I really think that it's going to have to be a five guard scenario. And you never know guys, we could see a Jethro Muscadin sighting as well. But one thing that's really unfortunate about this uh, for, for the Jayhawks is that I, I saw somebody tweet this that since 2017, the Jayhawks have been without their big man for the Big 12 tournament and that's going all the way back to the days of cliff alexander and check diallo and then yudoka azabuki with injuries and silvio de Souza, and so on and so forth they
1: would have been able to play last year that would have been the first time
2: yeah exactly yeah, uh, yeah. Since, since 2017 uh was what i well, at least what i saw online so that's just unfortunate for david mccormick especially knowing how well he has been playing towards the end of the season and really you know very quickly before Weston gets to his completely ludicrous take about Mitch Lightfoot <laughs> before he gets to that. Um, just briefly going back to that UTEP game. Yeah, the Jayhawks did not look good primarily in the first half, but let's not forget they did outscore. UTEP 47 to 28 in the second half that was a furious comeback and usually you know Blake you alluded to this before you know just a little bit ago when you were talking about the the shockers about how most teams have an an off night against somebody in March in March it just happens my hope is that this game against UTEP is the main stinker that we've seen from the Jayhawks in March. It was kind of the wake up call, like, Hey, we could get beat by anybody in March and UTEP could be that team. So they had a ferocious comeback to win that game by five Uh, hats off to UTEP for the great game that they played. Um, And hopefully the Jayhawks have learned a lot moving forward.
1: So now we get the rebuttal from counselor mills and being a lawyer in real life, Based on the show that you've had, you better dominate this segment. It's going to be really hard to pull your show out of the fire unless you win this argument.
0: Well, I'll just go ahead and start this. Hand up. Huge Mitch Lightfoot fanboy. Huge Mitch Lightfoot <laughs> fanboy. So I'll, you go ahead. Now I you can listen Lightfoot. to my argument. You can disregard it because of that. But here's the thing. I truly believe a couple things. I truly believe that Mitch Lightfoot is a better shot blocker than David McCormick. I truly believe Mitch Lightfoot is a better rebounder than David McCormick. I'm going to now go ahead and get uh, Blake a little riled up because I truly think Mitch Lightfoot is more efficient than David McCormick. Oh my God. There are absolutely limitations to Mitch Lightfoot that, that he cannot do that David McCormick can. I'm not even trying to argue. Mitch Lightfoot is better than david mccormick but i think mitch lightfoot is a smarter basketball player i think you sh- put in mitch lightfoot i think it is going to make the offense potentially run even better i think you're going to see big games out of jalen wilson oh my you're going to see big gosh, wow you're serious right now.
1: this this is overwhelming this is you're this is the your worst show ever I, i'm i'm gonna let you finish I be, kanye I believe, style but I this is your this worst show ever <laughs>
0: I believe this wholeheartedly. I really do. But here's the thing. At least this two things. I will say, I think you guys will agree on one and Tommy already mentioned it. It doesn't, it's kind of regardless of what you think of Mitch Lightfoot, he's going to have to play probably 20 minutes just based on personnel. That's available. Um, Two, Um, I think a five guard lineup does make a lot of sense against Oklahoma and mostly because of that defensive matchup with Brady Manick. So I I do concede those two points, but I think the reliability of having someone like Mitch Lightfoot, who is at at this, at a minimum, we can all agree to this, been in the system for a very long dang time, um, you know, certainly knows what he should do and hopefully should know, you know, and we've seen this for the most part knows his limitations as well. So you're not going to see him come in and make mistakes. Um, So I, I I don't hesitate about that. I think it obviously in like you guys alluded to really the big 12 tournament is kind of irrelevant for Kansas. Not much is going to happen here to change their seating. Um, So not having McCormick or in Aruna, you know, if that does, you know, cause a a lost game early on it, it's, it's just not something to worry about. Now having McCormick back, come game one against whatever 14, 13, 12 seed we have, that's going to be much more important.
1: Tommy, do you want to take this or do you want me to go? Hey, I just heard.
2: I, I've already made my, my, my piece and I'm standing by it. You know, I was not, uh, I'll I'm on record, not being the biggest David McCormick fan, especially early on in the season. But even I know that he's more efficient than Mitch Lightfoot is. Um, so so Blake, I'll let you take that. How how can you even suggest that, West? But based on what evidence?
1: David McCormick shoots is a twenty percent better free throw shooter than Mitch Lightfoot. He's oh, shooting fifty-two percent the field. Uh, He shoots better from the field. David McCormick, 51% from the field on 278 attempts. Mitch Lightfoot, 51%, not that he's inefficient, but 51% on 69 field goal attempts. Now I will grant you, I do actually agree that Mitch Lightfoot is a better natural shot blocker. He's got 24 shot blocks on the year playing way fewer minutes. I I concede that. I think Mitch Lightfoot can come in and do what David McCormick does in stretches. It's like that country song. He ain't going to be good as he once was, but he could be as good once as he ever was for just a little bit of time. For If you plug him in the end of the game for five minutes, I think he can give you that kind of level, but – That is just utter David McCormick slander to suggest over the course of a 40-minute game that the offense is going to run better with Mitch Lightfoot than with David McCormick. There is
0: absolutely no evidence to suggest that that's the case. None whatsoever. Well, they won't. You can get, you can guarantee this. They won't try to force the ball into Mitch Lightfoot, which I think has been part of the problem that Kansas has had on offense. They have tried to force the ball into David McCormick, no matter how he's playing. David McCormick is not the is not a problem for KU's offense. It's not. It
1: never has been. Okay, well, that's not true. You lost that argument. So this this show is totally out the window for you. The one thing that I think that's still so let's go to this, guys, before we wrap up on this subject. Do you feel without David McCormick, KU can still win the Big 12 tournament? Obviously. I think that Baylor is going to continue to get better. The further they get from quarantine, I think they're going to continue to build momentum, get some cohesiveness. We'll see how they play in the first round. I mean, by the time that we're back next week, maybe they've lost in the first round of the Big 12 tournament, and we have a totally different discussion on the Bears going in to the NCAA tournament. But I think Baylor is going to get better. But there are a lot of teams I think Kansas could lose to, even if David McCormick was around. I think any of the top seven teams in the Big 12 conference can win the Big 12 tournament. The only one I don't really like is Texas. I don't I think they've got the worst shot out of the 7, but I think that any of the 7 could win. So, how much do you feel like this is going to hamper
2: KU's efforts to win the Big 12 tournament Tommy? KU won't win the Big 12 tournament and I would have argued that even at full strength KU wasn't going to win the Big 12 tournament Um, you know I think you've got Baylor I think you've got West Virginia um, you know Oklahoma State let's not forget about the Cowboys and they are peaking at the exact right time right now Mike Boynton has got his squad playing like a top 10 team and I wouldn't be surprised you know to see them I think they were maybe like 11th or I think that was where KU was but they were neck and neck with KU as far the top 25 ranking, I believe on Monday. Um, so even at full strength, uh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to, let's just say, I wasn't going to put a big money bet on the Jayhawks winning the big 12 tournament regardless. Um, for, you know, I, I think a lot of it without getting into the full philosophical, uh, implications of the big 12 tournament, historically Kansas and Kansas fans were always so committed to the regular season championship. That by the time the Big 12 tournament came around, it was kind of like, all right, cool. We got our regular season championship. <laughs> We're ready for March Madness. We don't need this tournament it's, in between. It's dessert, isn't it? it? That's pretty much what it is. And so um, that historically, that's the way that it's always been. So um, uh, especially without David McCormick and Tristan and Aruna, um, I, would be, I would be delighted if the Jayhawks can beat the Sooners. Uh, to be honest with you, if they can get one win in the Big 12 tournament, I think that kind of solidifies them as a three seed. Uh, but really, I think, you know, if they don't, that's probably what's going to end up happening. They'll probably I think they might still be a three seed. They could be a four. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, they're not going to win the Big 12 tournament.
0: I've already made it clear how I think uh, plugging in Mitch Lightfoot for David McCormick is not much of a loss to this team. I think things are going to carry not on as usual, and I think this team absol- absolutely can win the Big, big 12 tournament. Again, I- I'll be honest, I wouldn't put money down on them, but, and you alluded to this all- already, Blake. I mean, one through seven absolutely can win this Big 12 tournament, but I just will never, you know, I don't, I, 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 I would always be willing to wager some money just on any bill self coach team. So uh, I, I don't have much more to add to it than that.
1: That the, the doesn't the, the whole Mitch life of just replacing and actually making KU better than David McCormick is one of the most insane things that I can't imagine that anything has ever been uttered on this show. That's more insane and less based in reality than that. Uh, I think that KU can still win the big 12 tournament and it's because of their defense guys. KU is, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, KU is one of the best defensive teams in the country. If you check their defensive stats here recently, they ended the regular season second in the Big 12 in scoring defense. First in field goal percentage defense, first in three-point percentage defense, first in the rebounding plus or minus, they're seventh in the Ken Palm adjusted defense and 23rd in three-point percentage defense on Haslametrics. They have completely changed the narrative on how they're playing defensively. And if they play defensively like that, and we've already seen Tommy, Marcus Garrett, guarding outside of his position he's got the length he has the strength in the lower body I think he can guard guys that are in the four and five spot if he can do that I think KU could defend their way to the big 12 championship not saying that they will or that they're the favorite but I think they can
2: yeah they're, they're one of the best defensive teams in the country yet somehow Marcus Garrett is not the big 12 defensive player of the year it is mind-boggling yeah, to me insane
1: that's a little curious keep- I, I, I will not disagree with that
0: and keep in mind as, as well as they've okay. been playing on defense too, they're now they're going to be adding minutes out of a premier shot blocker in Mitch Lightfoot. So the defense is only going to elevate as we oh my God. approach this. Oh my God. <laughs> that,
1: that, that's, that's insane. Um, so, Uh, Big 12 women's basketball tournament is getting underway today as well. Kansas is the number 9 seed. They're taking on TCU. Kansas State is the number 10 seed. Uh, Not really a great year for the Sunflower Showdown schools. They've got Texas Tech. do want to quickly mention Wichita State, however. The Wichita State women's basketball team, they are out of the American Athletic Conference Tournament. They had to play the Bulls, the number 1 seed. They're the number 9 seed. The Shockers won on Monday, 76-64 over Tulsa. They pushed number 1 South Florida, 48-44 and a loss. Shockers did not shoot well, 33%, 1 of 11 from the three-point line, but they held the Bulls to 25% from the field and 5 of 26 from the three-point line, Asia Strong, 15 points per game, a junior forward for the Shockers. Three Shockers scored in double figures for them this year. Serafine Bastin led Wichita State, 92 assists, 51 turnovers. She should be back. Mariah McCulley could be back. She's a senior guard who averaged 12 points a game. Shockers finished 6-12, 2-9 in the American. Seven of those 12 losses were by 10 points or less, four by six or less. Last year they were 16 and 15, 7 and 9 in the American, which was the best team for coach Keith Adams. The first year the team had a better record than the American, they were 9 and 7 but 14 and 17 overall. And guys, the Shocker women, if you thought the men had problems, the Shocker women had 9 games canceled or postponed this season. I feel like Tommy, looking back at the Shocker women's basketball team, the a saying that a lot of people had coming into this year was that you're not going to fire head coaches this year because of coronavirus. And I think that while we have argued as to whether or not it applies to Bruce Weber at Kansas State or some other programs, certainly KU football with Les Miles, I think it does apply to the Shocker women's program. They had so many games that were canceled or postponed. They've got so many players that are going to be back that played significant minutes and did significant things for them on the court. And they were so close in so many of these games I feel like Wichita State and Coach Adams are going to be back next year, and I think they're going to continue to move forward. I think that this is a season you just kind of toss down, even though it was a a big step back from what they had been, which is around 500. They certainly haven't got to Coach Jody Adams and the the incredible level that she said making three NCAA tournaments in a row. But I do think that there are things to be optimistic about for Shocker women's basketball.
2: I think there are two, and I I wouldn't disagree with you. You know, with that take, yeah, it was a little bit of a step back. You know, this season for uh, the women's basketball squad, but there had been small but steady growth for Keitha Adams since she took over uh, back for the 2017-2018 season. You know, she had the Shockers last season. Just barely over five hundred, you know, which was better than where she started at, you know, fourteen and seventeen when she first took over that very first season. Again, you know, the Shockers kind of hovered around five hundred, you know, the first three seasons that she was at the helm. This year's been a little bit of a disappointment, but I think you got to give her a little bit more time. I'm not ready to pull the plug yet on what she's done. The other thing I'll point out about Keitha Adams, and um, I'm sure it's well known, and I'm sure that that I, I'm going to actually mention this since I know that if I don't Weston probably will that Keith Adams is a proud noun builder, uh, alum at Southwestern <laughs> college.
0: Yeah. I mean, anytime we get an opportunity to, you know, get a little mound builder talk in here, you know, I'm, I'm for it. I can't remember what the, the last time what we, what I brought it I up know. for some, I don't know. Anyways, you guys know, I'm always trying to get it in there and especially after I, uh, missed on my opportunity to drop a and Garden and You know I can't be missing any more of these opportunities. Yeah,
1: actually, I was going to say, Tommy, if you hadn't have said something, I can pretty much guarantee that Weston would not have sure. because if this is a baseball <laughs> game, Weston would have been yanked at this point. We got to go to the bullpen. We got to get somebody in here because this guy is throwing up. The ball is going out. He's throwing up tomatoes. <laughs> They're getting splashed into the upper deck. And with that, we'll see if Weston can get one segment right, Tommy, it's time to hit the music. And we hit the Wichita Whiparound. One story from the Air Capital that we think you need to know about. Weston, I could not have served you up any bigger of a meatball than this one. Please do not screw this up. It's the Wichita Whip Around. What is your story this week?
0: You have no idea how much I'm going to knock this out of the park. I have been so excited for the Wichita Whiparound. I'm here to talk about bowling prep bowling and we had a lot of metro schools uh, around the area and you're gonna get you i'm gonna get to the point where you understand why i'm so excited about this and after my antel with my garden plane with my near miss with southwestern why why this one's so good but let, let's go ahead and start to so the 6a northwest um, Northwest boys won 6A state title. They had uh, bowler Brandon, and I might botch this, but I think it's Bonta, rolled a 788 series, which is his best uh, career series, to go ahead and win the individual state title as well as Northwest winning um, their own title outright as, as a team. Um, I think I had read that he was runner-up his first three years and finally got a state championship in his final year. So, God, that's got to be kind of an over-the-hub moment uh, and for who a lot of people are kind of a, consider as the best bowler in the state of Kansas. Um, down in 5A, Boys Cape and Mount Carmel, also won uh, a team state title. Moving over to the girls, you had Campus, um, who, again, might be one of the most dominant programs maybe of any sport. Um, in the metro area. They've won six of the last seven girls' 6A bowling state championships. They've won four in a row now. Um, but to the moment that I wanted to get to, and I want to give a huge, huge shout out to the Bishop Carroll girls' bowling team and my uncle, Ron Horsch, who's the head coach of that program, to leading the Bishop Carroll Eagles to a 5A state championship. Big shout out to my uncle, Ron. Uh also Kaylee Beck, who is the she won her second straight individual state championship. Um boys, we had bowling bowling talk on the podcast, and I couldn't be more excited.
1: You literally wrap everything back around to you and Dale
0: South or
1: your <laughs> family. Like literally every topic. Hey, big shout out to Uncle Ron, doing well. I'll give a shout out to Jim Nance, who used to be the the bowling coach there, defensive coordinator of Bishop Carroll football, who kind of built that program up. So, Tommy, what is your whip around today?
2: Uh, I just have to say, Weston, you're in rare form today, and I am loving every minute of it. (laughs) Um, I got to give a big shout out here on the Wichita whip around to a really good friend of mine and uh, actually an avid CogPod listener ben bolander who is the general manager at hartman arena uh just north of wichita i don't i don't think a lot of people recognize the amount of sporting events that have taken place inside hartman arena over the last month or so they have had their busiest month in forever and let's not forget We're still in the middle of a global pandemic, and the fact that Hartman Arena has been able to safely host multiple back-to-back-to-back-to-back events is just crazy to me. Here's the timeline. Here's what they've been able to do since February. The Legacy Fighting Alliance 100 card was on February 19th. Then they turned around the weekend of February 25th through the 27th, and that's when they hosted Keisha State Wrestling. We talked about that on the program for 5A and 6A boys and girls. That was inside Hartman Arena. Then on the 1st of March, they hosted the KCAC Basketball Championships, both men's and women's championships there. Then last weekend, the weekend of the 5th and 6th, Hartman Arena hosted NAIA National Wrestling. That tournament was going on inside Hartman Arena. And then this weekend for the first time ever inside Hartman arena will be the NAIA opening round of the basketball tournament inside Hartman arena. So just multiple weekends of sporting events, not just local, not just state, but also national NAIA wrestling, NAIA opening round basketball. They've been able to do it with varying uh, requirements based on the organizations, based on, you know, all the different requirements with those sports and of course the safety protocols as well. So hats off to Ben Bolander, hats off to his team there at Hartman Arena for uh, being able to successfully host these awesome sports events.
1: My Wichita Whiparound story is going to be back to college basketball. Friends University announcing this week that they have hired a new men's basketball coach. It is Austin McBeth. He is currently the head assistant coach, does the recruiting at NCAA Division II, Truman State University in the Great Lakes Valley Conference. The Bulldogs are having an amazing season. They're currently 18-2. and two. They earned a number one seed into the NCAA Division II National Tournament, ranked second in the last coach poll the nabc poll of the year all uh previously a assistant coach at illinois springfield also of the glvc and an naia program in north carolina played men's basketball under coach fred hoiberg at Iowa State University, a volunteer GA assistant coach at ISU in 2013 and served as a camp instructor for the Cyclones in the summer of 2012. He'll take over for Coach Faber of the men's basketball program at Friends University, a program that has been a little bit up and down over the last decade or so, a program that ended up this year 8-16, and and 7-12 in the Kansas Collegiate Athletic Conference, austin mcbeth welcome to wichita and i mean if you can get the assistant coach off the number one team in division two and the glvc it's not the miaa it's not the lone star conference but there are some really good programs in the glvc i think this is as home run of a hire that friends university could have gotten i think mcbeth is a fantastic choice for friends university
2: yeah, I would agree with that. You know, of course, Dale Faber has quite a legacy there at Friends University. He was always a character on the sidelines. I remember watching him coach, uh, you know, back in the day. And and um, and I know he's also a great interview, too. So I've read different articles where he's been quoted and just seems to be a really fun guy, funny guy. Uh, and so it, it's hard to replace a legend at a place like Friends. Um, but uh, I, think they, I think they got the right guy. I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do.
1: And that I have. Is, oh, go ahead. Oh, you have one more, Weston. I've,
0: two, I've got two things to add. One, I've personally booed Dill Faber, so I just want to add him <laughs> to the podcast. Thanks. Two, to Tommy, I think you and I would be remiss to to not and I, I you particularly use the word remiss because I always noticed that that's a word you use a lot, uh, but we would be remiss to not mention one more thing on the whip, the Wichita whip round as our very own Blake Cripps was on ESPN plus calling no. the Shockers women volleyball game on March 5th. So big shout out to our very own Blake Cripps.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I don't know how, I mean, I was trying to just stay, keep my head above water. I, I don't think that they're going to be calling me for the Olympics anytime soon, but hey, it was definitely fun.
2: Hey, Blake, you remember my rant a few weeks ago against ESPN Plus and talking about yeah, how, I, how terrible, yeah, how, how terrible, terrible the commentators stuff. on ESPN Plus are? Uh, I would like you to know that I do not lump you in to the, those guys. Well, I
1: appreciate it. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. I'm really glad that they asked me. Obviously, tel- television is... I hadn't done volleyball in a number of years. I've only done volleyball on radio, but uh, it was a good experience. Hope hope I get to do were it again. You, do-
2: were you on camera at all during it?
1: No. God, they they made that. That was a great decision by then. Oh, what, why would you ruin it? Take the the emphasis off the ladies and put me on camera. <laughs> Horrible decision. Fair so enough. That, that, that was a very good decision. And that is our Wichita Whip Around. Time for the segment of the show that we call Additions, Retractions, and Corrections. Any additions, retractions? I mean, Weston, I'm going to start with Tommy because I feel like if we try to correct everything Weston said, that'd be another (laughs) about two hours. Right. So,
2: uh, Tommy, uh, what do you have? Do you have anything? Well, I mean, Weston is a a walking correction and a walking retraction (laughs) today. today. So there's really nothing additional I need to say about him. I do have a couple... (laughs) (laughs) I do have a couple of quick additions though. Uh, First off, going back to the Kansas football search and the conversations about an interim coach. And this actually, I think lends a little bit of credibility to what Weston was saying. From the time we have started recording this show to now, about 15 Kansas football players have tweeted their support for Emmett Jones to be named the interim head coach for Kansas football. There have been a couple of people that have thrown out Joshua Ergel, who is another assistant coach on the team. No, as of right now, nobody tweeting support for DJ Elliott, who's the defensive coordinator, or the new offensive coordinator, Mike DeBoard, which is not surprising. But right now, about 15 current Kansas Football players expressing their support for Emmett Jones to be the interim head coach. The other addition that I want to make in the program, because we have kind of abandoned our finally funny segment for this additions, retractions, and corrections segment, this is kind of humorous. So I'm going to sure. throw it in. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, Texas Tech, the women's soccer team, they have officially extended a scholarship offer to Sterling Sky Mahomes in the class of 2039. That came down just a couple of hours ago from the official Texas Tech soccer Twitter account that they have extended a scholarship offer to Sterling Mahomes to come to Texas Tech and play soccer.
1: I mean, his dad certainly has a way of maneuvering around with his feet. And Brittany Lynn, like I said before, played college, played uh, professionally over in Europe. So, I mean, there, there could be a pedigree right there for sure. a pretty darn good soccer player.
0: I've got bad news for Texas Tech. Um, this little girl's mother owns the Kansas City professional women's team, so she's probably going to just go high school straight to the pros from what <laughs> I'm seeing out of uh, out of Pat Mahomes' daughter.
1: Uh, any other additions, retractions, or corrections from you, Weston? And don't self-correct because uh, we'll be here all night.
0: I've only got one, just one slight correction that I needed to make I, I when I was Another talking one? about Andel Girls. Yeah, and it's about Andale Girls Basketball. I said I think I said Jules Eck, and I meant her name's actually Jewel Eck. So just slight correction there. That that's my bad. I you know messed up a little bit.
1: Yeah, you messed up a little bit. <laughs> uh, I don't really have anything to add. Uh, added retractor correct here tonight. Um, Once again, uh, next week on the show, uh, we are going to be probably neck deep into the NCAA tournament. Uh, Certainly expecting that Wichita State and Kansas will be there. We'll look at the bracket. We'll see what's happened. We'll also review what happened at the state basketball tournaments. We'll have champions to talk about next week. And of course, we'll continue the saga of what's going on in Lawrence. And I feel like that's going to be dominating discussion here for the next month or so as Kansas looks to find a new football coach and a new athletic director and the Royals are getting cooked up I mean we'll be having to get into Royals baseball here in the next month or so as we are about a month away from opening day so uh well uh Tommy for our valued audio listeners your Twitter handle please
2: yep you can follow me at tweets from Tommy
1: and I mean do we even do we even let him say what his Twitter handle is? I mean, I hope your tweets have been better than your performance today because you did not have a good show today, Weston. Bad show.
0: Add W Mills94. The takes only get hotter over there. <laughs> Cogsports.com
1: is the website. I am at B E Crips. You can follow the show at CogPod. That's K-O-G-P-O-D. On Twitter, cogpod.potomatic.com. plenty of other places, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, other places to get the podcast, like and subscribe. We drop a new podcast every week sometime between Tuesday and Thursday. Something that's coming out on Thursdays here. And uh, I think that that is it for episode number 57. For the guys, I am Blake Cripps. We'll see you next week on Keeper of the Games. Take care, guys. You've been listening to Keeper of the Games with Tommy Castor, Weston Mills, and Blake Cripps. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and listen on all major podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and more. Visit our website at cogsports.com. Find the podcast and videos on Facebook and YouTube at Keeper of the Games, and follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Cogpod. That's K O G Pod.